Welcome to the Focus on Why podcast. I'm Amy Rowlandson and I ask my guests one simple question, why? Focusing on the importance of why, I share with you the relatable, uplifting and inspiring conversations I have with people from all walks of life. This podcast will encourage you to focus on your why to enable and empower you to achieve the success you desire. Have a purpose, have a plan, focus on why. Before we start, I would like to draw your attention to what I can offer you as a master coach. I can help you to focus on your why with clarity, uniting your passion with your purpose with a plan to create the life you truly desire. Book a free 20 minute coaching call right now via calendly.com forward slash Amy Rowlandson forward slash call and we can take it from there. Today on Focus on Why, I'm joined by Rena Kula. Welcome Rena, and where are you joining us from? Oh, thank you so much, Amy. I'm in Canada. I'm in Calgary, Alberta, the lovely west of Canada. Amazing. And is the weather being kind to you because it's been quite aggressive over the last Christmas New Year? Yes, absolutely. We are recovering. I'm going to use the word recovering from a very, very cold uh, period of Christmas into New Year's here and it's very unusual. I, sh- I sh- you know, Canada's known for six months of winter, but Calgary itself has the blessing of a lot of Chinooks. So our Chinook winds does melt our snow and does give us, you know, above zero degrees weather at times, uh, periodically throughout the winter. So we are recovering. We have enjoyed our snow melt in the last uh, week and a half. I think it's going to continue. And if we're lucky, this is going to be the end of the end of the cold spell. But you know what? Who knows? We'll get maybe a, another big dump of snow in April because that's just that's just Alberta for you. So oh, it's a wonderful part of the world. I remember being in my early 20s visiting, skiing and having the most amazing trip. So I am mm-hmm. very jealous that your your home is there. Oh. So tell me, <laughs> so tell me Rena, what is it you're up to at the moment? Um, you know, I am always doing something different and new, Amy. I'm always looking for something to keep myself busy. Not that I'm not busy enough, but my mind tends to want to constantly create or innovate or, oh, I should do this. Or I'm always thinking of different ideas. And this is both on a personal and a professional level. Professionally, of course, I'm going into year three of my consulting company, which is super exciting. Um, really happy with where it's going and truly, honestly grateful. I, I wouldn't be here today. I say it a lot and I, I sound my, you know, keep myself on repeat here, but I just don't feel like I would be here if people hadn't, you know, believed in my vision and supported um, where I wanted to go with my company three years ago, right in the middle of COVID. So now I I launched a new company in the new year, just, part, you know, specifically for, entrepreneurs in Canada and thought, you know what, let's try it again in a very different way in a small niched market. And it's it's going to kind of supplement the, the business that I currently have, but target a specific audience of, you know, upcoming entrepreneurs or, you know, entrepreneurs that have been in their business for, for a couple of years and they're just ready at that stage to scale or to expand, you know, which is where, you know, my core company comes in to help them expand. So Little things like that, just always, always creating something. And what is sits behind the the need for always doing something new or different? You know, it, that's a great question, Amy. Um, <clears throat> I think I'm going to say, I think for so long, 
and, and this is just life and decisions and time. But I think for so long, there's this, this idea that we need to be a certain way. We need to live life a certain way, you know, um, societal norms do, of course, to until, you know, up, up until today and ongoing do determine a lot of our decisions and where our life should be, you know, taking us, you know, we should do this and uh, we can't do this. And we, you know, would have done this, but, you know, looking back, it's good because this is where you're supposed to do. So I think that particularly for me, I had lived life in um, a routine, you know, almost a complacent complacency where, uh, this is this is how things should be, you know. Um, and I always had this creative side to me. I remember visiting and working in the UK back in uh, 1996, and it was one of the most phenomenal uh, experiences of my life because it was right before I attended university. So I had an idea, it, it, you know, that that opportunity um, kind of molded where I wanted to go in my career. But, it, you know, things it it did it did end up, you know, helping me determine what I wanted to do in work. But again, life, life, you you have all these ideas and what you want to do, but life changes. And sometimes, depending on the circumstances, um, a lot of decisions are just made for you. And that's, you know, that's normal. That works for a lot of people and it works until it doesn't, perhaps. So today, when I think about, you know, this energy that I have that this creativity or I want to try this I want to try this I almost feel like I'm going back where I didn't get an opportunity to do that then so maybe it's a chance to do it now and not that I feel that there's a small road ahead we don't know that's the unknown but what I do feel is I don't want to ever go back and regret now and think oh I should have you know what why didn't I do that so I guess my power of regret is not what I did, but what I didn't do. So I constantly look back and think, okay, let me try it. What do I have to lose? You know, if anything, the biggest gain is just learning. So that's where, that's where this energy today, you know, specifically in the last few years, but this is where this new energy comes, comes into me. And you mentioned about the decisions that you felt were made for you. What would they have been? What, what type of decisions did you feel were made for you? Know, you? I think... You know, Amy, we come from um, different backgrounds. You know, um, I know I'm very, very uh, fond and very committed to my South Asian culture. But I think the cultural upbringing is really um, important in creating your value system and some of those core beliefs that you grow up with, which today I, I instill in my own children. So I'm very, very committed to that. But I think that at a time where in our generation we were growing up, there was already a predetermined kind of route trajectory. This is where you know uh, you 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 want to go. This is how life works. This is what's determined for decisions. Um, you know, university, for example, for you know for us particularly, university wasn't an option. You know, this is the next step right after high school. There wasn't a, a break period. There was like, no, this is what we do. So. We were very, very compliant in, in not a bad way, in a very respectful way to our parents, um, their upbringing, the culture, again, the culture they brought to Canada, our ancestors, how things worked. So in that, following and respecting uh, those cultural norms, 
you do lose an opportunity to maybe think outside of the box or have an opportunity to say, maybe I want to try something different. So life is um, exactly what is determined by the people that love you and raise you and instill those cultural values. And it's not a bad thing, but as, as I've learned, you know, things change and it's meant to change personalities and, you know, what you want in life and where, where your path is meant to go. It's, it's supposed to change and grow. And so that's where I find myself today. And you mentioned we, we were very compliant. Who's the we? Hmm. I think our community, when I, when I refer to we, you know, um, a lot of my peers, my siblings, um, peers, the community itself, we were very respectful of, you know, our parents' heritage and what they left in their native country to come here in Canada. So I think as a community, we wanted to help reflect maybe the dreams they had for their children, having uh, children in Canada and what their hopes were for us that they possibly couldn't achieve. So I think we had a, you know, small community of friends and to this day that, you know, we still keep in touch. We talk a lot about the past and how happy we are that we chose to do what we did and, you know, really respectful of our parents for giving us that opportunity. But also many of us um, in a situation where, you know, things feel different. We have our own children. We probably would want to change the way we parent and we should, because again, generational differences. Um, so, so there's a lot of growth. I think there's just the, just the tremendous amount of reflection and growth and what we choose in our path. And has there been any conflict in that, in, in the respect for culture and past and adapting to change? There has, um, and it's, it's normal, right? I think there it's, it's getting better, but I think that there's a, a societal plus cultural plus tied in with the belief system of the South Asian culture in how things should be. And now today, of course, you know, uh, as generations continue to progress, a, a lot of those what should be has changed. It changed in the past, but it was very taboo for, for a lot of individuals to make decisions outside of the norm. And today it's not not so much taboo. So I think that, you know, what we learned, what we're learning in our in our generation, our community is that you have um, you have to put yourself first and your needs and really understand who you are. And you are very much a reflection of how you were raised, but it's meant to change and that could change. And that's OK, too. And if it changes, expect, um, you know, expect loss along the way, you know, embrace it with grace, go through your grieving process and accept that um, life may not be how your parents, you know, the community wanted it to be, but perhaps you were meant to do something different. And um, again, if there's loss along the way, we have to embrace, that's life, right? There, that's just, it's just life. It's it's um, you can't always be so proactive. There is there are moments of being reactive to change and it just, you know, you just create resiliency as a result of all of that. And you mentioned that you're changing the way that you're parenting. How does purpose feature in parenting for you? You know, I think with purpose, um, that's a great question, Amy, because 
I focus a lot on purpose in my work and with my clients. And we talk a lot about, you know, um, what we learned about our past and how our career has affected us today and our purpose in the future. And how, how, how do we define that? How does our personal life uh, interconnect so well with our professional life and make us who we are, you know, that brand identity? When I think about purpose today in terms of the next generation and my children in particular, I feel that they've come with this purpose in mind of what they want to do because they have a lot more tools. They have a lot more confidence. And it's it's likely because of the way that we've been able to bring them up, you know, in Canada or the UK or any country, there's the there's an ease of connection that allows our children in this generation to find their purpose a little bit easier than perhaps we could, you know, technology. AI, um, again, yeah, social media, whatever it is, um, it's not so, I don't see it so much as a bad thing. I think that my children being able to connect with individuals across the world gives them an opportunity to learn. And the more you can learn at a younger age about yourself and what you want, it actually helps build your purpose at a very young age. But it also makes you flexible to knowing that you can change that purpose as you grow. And that's something that you know, I think was maybe preventive for our generation. But now that I'm more open to that, I reflect on that a lot when it comes to my parenting and my children and think I trust their decisions. I trust their instincts more than anything. And I trust the path that they want to take. And, and I need to be able to let them do that, to live the most purposeful, fulfilling and meaningful life that they want for themselves. And do you have conversations or is this very much a just a way of life that you're you're reflecting and you're you're observing and that the way they're living but do you or do you have open conversations with your children about purpose you know I do I do I think you know particularly with my daughter she's she's an old soul so I certainly do feel like she's years above her age and these conversations I have with them only because it's so important for me to be able to see in them that embracing change and life changes are okay you know, I think that um, what we see on TV or what we even saw, you know, with their grandparents and growing up and how life should be, I, I, I want them to see that change is so normal. And there there is going to be periods of of life where things aren't going to be as you see them in, in a television show or how they've witnessed it in history with their own grandparents. So, you know, being a single mom now, it's, it's easier for me to have these conversations with them because I've seen the growth, you know, again, particularly with my daughter, I've seen the maturity and the growth in her and her understanding that whatever she chooses to be, she has the power to make that choice for herself. And she's always going to have, I guess, the support in, in, in believing in her choices. You know, there's only so much that as adults or mentors or role models that we can help influence decisions. But I think that, you know, there was a saying, you know, children don't um, follow your advice. They follow your example. And so I think that's I've always thought about that. And I forgot who said that. But that that quote always kind of resonated with me. And I thought, well, isn't it weird? Because I find myself following her example. She's turning 16 this year and she's had so much life experience in just a short 16 years in so many different ways that 
I follow her example. I love her resiliency and I admire her confidence. So I never want her to lose that. And for her to be able to continue to believe in that, I also realize that she's watching me. So I have to continue to exhibit those qualities as well. I'm finding it more and more the case of this reverse mentoring between generations and not just in the workplace, but as you're demonstrating here at home as well. And I think that with a pandemic, the boundaries have been blurred very much in terms of how purpose is a part of life, how purpose forms a part of who you are and what you do. And you you spoke earlier about how you talk with your clients a lot about purpose, but then you're also speaking with your family, which is so refreshing. And I, and I just wonder whether it was something that was a catalyst as a result of the pandemic, or was it something that you'd already embraced with your family? I think it was definitely pre pre pandemic. Um, because I think the catalyst for me wasn't necessarily COVID. I think the catalyst for me was this recognition as I was raising my children and going through life that I wasn't presenting authentically, you know, and, and if you're in, you know, large uh, families and communities and you along the way, all of a sudden have these aha moments where you're not really sure who you are anymore. As a result of that, how authentic are your relationships with others? You know, I was, I, I felt like I was in a, in a constant cycle of possibly disingenuous behavior and disingenuous feelings where if I wasn't honest about the changes I wanted in life or in the relationships that I was committing to, then how, how honest could I be with myself? So how would I ever be able to find my own real purpose? Because, you know, intuitively and instinctively, our intuition is meant to tap into possibly what we don't want to see sometimes, we don't want to know sometimes. And if we do it with the work I do for over 20 years, picking up on body language and having conversations and kind of looking beyond the words of clients, I wasn't doing that for myself. So if I was so focused on ensuring people felt successful in tying their lives to the workplace in roles that they wanted to achieve, I felt that I was coming in possibly disingenuously and not authentically to be actually exhibiting that behavior myself. And the moment it was pre-pandemic, the moment I realized that um, that's when you know you you make changes and that's when you make decisions, knowing that it wasn't impulsive by nature at all whatsoever. But it was very, very thought out and executed, hopefully, in the most respectful way possible, where hope, you know, you're hoping that there's not a lot of loss along the way, but expecting that there will be and hoping there's an opportunity to create something new in a different way with relationships. And uh, you win some and you lose some, I guess, is what I can say. You've spoken a lot about loss in terms of changes and in terms of routine family and and what society was expecting of you share what it is that you felt you've lost but you've gained also um you know I think I I, I've never I've I've maybe been a bit sheltered if, if anything on you know having been around 
a large community and friends and growth and aunties and uncles. And, you know, again, beautiful community that we still have today. You don't feel alone, you know, um, you can't, you're, you're surrounded by love and individuals who support you. But along the way, you know, I, I started feeling like you could be surrounded in a group of a hundred people and still feel lonely where you could be with the right individual. You could be spending five hours with one individual and never feel alone. And so I think that perspective in itself made me realize that, you know, what we, what we fear, you know, um, fear of loss is a result of coming with a lot of pain. You know, we, we don't want to go there. We don't want to think that there's emotions, you know, there's vulnerability. There's so much that we fear. What if we're alone? But if we really take a step back and surround ourselves with people that are meaningful, you're never really alone. And it starts with you. I, I, I today, because of the decisions I've made and the losses that occurred as a result, what I've gained from that is I've actually gained myself. Like I've gained an opportunity to be so happy and okay with the person I am and who I am and spending time in solitude and actually enjoying my own company. And so I don't feel lonely at all, where there was a period of time where I could be surrounded by so many people, but you feel alone. So just once you understand, I think, yourself and recognize your purpose, it's very, very easy to be able to be present in a really authentic way for other people. So your relationships become better. You meet different people. You um, hopefully, uh, in, in my case, hopefully, are able to bring a better energy and a better relationship to others that possibly, you know, need that from me in their life. I love that. And it, it really does start with you. And you, you talk about the vulnerability, this authenticity and being a role model. Who's, who is the role model that you're being and for whom? I think um, first and foremost, it would be myself. And I would never have said that, believe it or not. But th th that, was th that was a learning opportunity. And that learning opportunity came as a result of loss. You know, loss of people that you care about in your life, that you know are no longer going to be a part of your life, that there is going to be, um, you know, a grieving process. And I wouldn't have gone through that had I not chosen myself, basically. So. I think being vulnerable with yourself, it's a scary place and it takes a lot of courage to be real with yourself. But once you are, it's actually really easy to then present who you really are, what you really feel, who you want to be to other people that you meet along the way. And so there's nothing more important to me than I think having the authenticity of spending the energy of my time with people that matter, people that resonate with me, that I connect well with, that can also be possibly mentors and role models for me. People I look up to that, you know, I can say, you know what, I never thought about that in a different perspective. That really matters to me. I want to try that. And of course, my kids. Now I think about my children and I hope that the decisions I've made, I know they haven't impacted them in a negative way. If anything, they've impacted them in a way that offers growth, that offers them 
a path that they possibly in the future may need to take themselves, but now they'll think that it's okay because that's just a part of life. Change is normal. Staying where you don't belong, that's not normal. Yeah, it reminds me of the the story of the the dog that's sitting on the nail on the porch. I'm sure you've heard it. And this is in pain. And somebody says, well, why doesn't the dog move? And it's just like, well, it's kind of comfortable because it's got used to that level of pain. And it, it is, you, you get used to what you're, what you can manage. And it takes a lot of courage, as you say, to, to move forward into the unknown. And absolutely, it's, it's knowing that you can support yourself. You, you spoke right at the beginning that people believed in your vision and supported you in, in the transition of your new business. Uh, but I guess it really took the belief in yourself to make that transition more than anything. It really did. Absolutely. And it was something I wanted to do for years and years, Amy, but I never felt um, I could give it the time. I never felt that I could take out the time and the energy to place all of that into who I believed I was and what I believed I could do. Because, you know, you wear many hats. You have very, very many roles and responsibilities in, in a family. And that's life. This is life. And this is who you have to be and how you have to be. And, you know, it's important to people. You don't want to hurt people that matter to you. So those were always things that prevented me from really figuring out what it was I wanted to do for myself. And so it's, it's, it's a bit of a journey to, to know that if you don't, you know, put yourself first, it's almost impossible to put others in your life and be there for them in the way that they need as well. You know, it's not self, uh, selfish. It's not, um, you know, this, this almost this need to secure yourself. It really does make sense. It makes sense that if you're not well, you can't be well for others. Yeah. So knowing that you are someone who wears many hats and loves doing things differently and new, what new and different hats can we expect from Rena in the future? Oh, I don't know. Uh, today it's very well. It's very, <laughs> good question. Um, it's very different hats. Of course, I've let go of a lot of them, you know, um, and I, uh, I say that in a really good way, actually. I, I look back and I love the hats that I wore, but I just don't feel that those are hats that may be a part of my future. But, um, you know, from a mom and cliche, but as a friend to my children too, of course, they're at the age where uh, the nurturing is very different for, for me as a mom today than it would have been years ago. So uh, recognizing how I need to be with them in a friendship manner. Um, and of course, how I present to my clients, um, you know, the, the trust that they place in the work that I do is so important. So how I'm there for them is, you know, am I authentic? Am I real? Is there an opportunity for them to see me beyond my bio, see that there's a relationship beyond the professional that could grow should they choose to want to? So I think that that's where I approach my relationships today is just, I'm Rena. Um, there's so many hats I still like to wear, but first and foremost, I think I'm Rena. And I ask many people what they think their legacy will be. And it seems to me that in this sort of time of your life, in, in sort of early midlife, you're living the legacy that you're wanting to, but expand on what that means to you. I think um, 
if anything, I think I took a chance. I took a chance um, in a culture, you know, with with norms that weren't necessarily supported with decisions that I made. I took a chance on myself. I believed in myself. Clearly, there was somewhere in me that reflected back on the 18-year-old Rena who, you know, moved to the UK to have all these dreams of where she wanted to be. Clearly, I really never lost that goal, that drive, that insight on if I put my mind to something, I'm going to make it work. I'm going to make it happen. And if it doesn't, and if I can't get there, clearly that's a straight sign from the universe that it wasn't meant to be for me. But um, if I were to look back at a legacy, I hope that, you know, myself and my children and anyone who wants to be a part of my journey can see that I took a chance, that I never stopped believing in myself. Um, despite circumstances, despite the bumps along the way, and despite losses, that I, I I never lost sight of who my core was. And you mentioned earlier about your values and how they are initially determined by the people who love you, but now you, as an adult, you you have the opportunity to to choose those. What would you say your values are, Rena? I think. Um, it's unconditional love. And I know it sounds a bit corny and cheesy and, um, you know, but I think that my values first and foremost have to be that I need to be able to see the best in whoever I'm meeting, whoever I'm working with, both on a personal and professional relationships, because um, there's so much that people fear bringing to the table. You know, again, that vulnerability is is something we talk about. So offering the ability to be empathetic and open and accepting in a way that offers unconditional love, we just don't know what people are going through. We just don't know how people feel. And if you can come up and say, I see you, I believe in you, and I don't know you very well, but there is a safe space here for you to be real and you, there is so much power in that. So that's a core value I hope my children take away with them as well is Always just know that whoever's in front of you has a story that we may not ever know about. But if you offer enough love and an opportunity for them to one day possibly need a shoulder, there's there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. I think we need to do that more as humans and humanity globally. And if anything, the pandemic showed us, Amy, that it, it's actually really easy to connect with people. It really is. You can jump a border by getting on a zoom call and next thing you know you're doing business or you've made a friend yeah absolutely there were so many teaching points in in the pandemic for for sure and the, the podcast that was created for me here the focus on why was all about the connection the connectedness that you know no absolutely no but borders you know it it had the ability to to reach out to people across the world and in terms of bringing together purpose of, of the people. And it's been again, and here another brilliant example of how we can meet, we can then share a conversation, which can then go on to create insights, thoughts, and actions that people will take as a result of tuning in and listening because they say, you know what, I really understand what Rena was sharing here 
in in that she took a chance she, against lots of different background and, and cultural differences, but understood that that it was about ownership of your own self. And you know that's that's what I'm hearing here is that you took a chance, you didn't stop believing in yourself, and that. 18 year old version of you who had the dream and you you pursued it and it's just it's admirable to to know that you don't have to give up that you can always keep going and that there's always different paths to take absolutely absolutely and it's sometimes a solo journey it really is I say you know entrepreneurship doesn't have to be a solo journey and I say that a lot to my clients but I think life in itself if you're okay with being solo and knowing that it possibly is a solo journey, you will attract incredible people to your life, incredible opportunities, incredible relationships and connections that you never dreamed imaginable. It's just, you need to take that step and the chance to do that. And if you don't, then you'll stay complacent. Your routine will stay monotonous. And um, you may just lose out on so much to learn about yourself. Well, I just want to say thank you for for sharing your focus on why with us today. It really has been a pleasure, Rena. How can people reach out and connect with you? What's the best way to do that? Um, you know what? The best way is to visit my website at uh, agilisexecutive.com. And my contact particulars are there. And even, you know, for virtual coffee, it would be fantastic. I know it's really late right now in the UK for you. So I thank you, Amy, for giving me your time way past your possibly regular business hours. So I'm grateful. Thank you. Uh, it's an absolute pleasure. And again, the whole ability to connect with people around the world and for, for you to have reached out as a result of hearing Nadine Hack's episode, it, it, the, the constant ripples that keep going is it, this podcast is definitely the gift that keeps on giving. So thank you for your time. It really is a pleasure. Have you got some final words, please, for the audience? Uh, well, I hope that if there's anything I've said today, I hope it resonates, is that just believe in yourself, build yourself. And if there's anything that is in you that you want to do, or you, you you feel like it's just something that may be a missed opportunity, just do it. If it works, if it's respectful, if it doesn't hurt anyone along the way, but if there's a growth opportunity for you, just do it. You have absolutely nothing to lose. The only loss is possibly not learning. So just do it. How has this conversation had an impact on you? What value have you received from tuning in? What are your reflections with actions? Please take a moment to leave me an Apple podcast or Spotify review sharing how Focus on Why has made a difference to you today. Remember, the conversation doesn't end here. To keep it going, simply connect with me on LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook or Twitter or join the Focus on Why Facebook group. All the links are in the show notes. Have a purpose, have a plan, focus on why.